I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming out! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Welcome everybody to this week's Rugby Weekly with the 42. It's Gavin Casey here. Coming up on today's show, we're going to chat in detail about the Ireland squad. You've had a couple of days now to ruminate over it. And it is an exciting one with plenty of talking points. Before I introduce the two boys to do exactly that, just a heads up that we've got a live event coming up in Dublin. Bernard Jackman, Murray Kinsella and I will be joined on stage at the Harcourt Hotel by Leinster and Ireland back row Will Connors to preview the South Africa test. Doors will open at 6, show will kick, up, kick off excuse me, around 7. Tickets are just €15 Euro and they'll be on general sale on Monday morning, but the 42 members will be sent a pre-sale discount to get them for even cheaper over the weekend. So that's Wednesday, the 2nd of November at the Harcourt Hotel. Jackman, Kinsella, Connors, Casey. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to seeing you there and previewing November here are my two colleagues, Kieran Kennedy of the Forty Two. Kieran, firstly, how are you? I'm good, Gav. I'm good. This is a this is a really good week. I think we've had like a couple of weeks of really a really strong start to the URC season. Um, I think the competition there is kind of lifted again this year, but it feels like things just ramp up again now. Like Ireland squad announcement during the week, Munster, Leinster derby in the Viva on Saturday. It feels like we're kind of heading into the the really serious stuff now. Mm, it's business time, Gary Doyle. How are you? Good. Good gap, thanks. Um, but like Kieran said, there you're looking forward to just a really big month. November is just such a brilliant month for for rugby, and there's so much to to look forward to as well. Irrespective of how brilliant Ireland were in the summer, South Africa is just a different test because of uh, what they offer uh, in comparison to the All Blacks, and also there is this nagging feeling that what the South Africans offer and their strengths. Uh, maybe Ireland's weaknesses so it's it's a fascinating game to to look forward to that has been the interpretation of it for a fair few months at this point Kieran, and it's something that we've probably pondered even with the longer lens looking towards the world cup if we meet them again we haven't even met them for the first time yet but it's almost a litmus test as is often the case in november but purely because of those stylistic differences and the potential discrepancies in physicality on our end this makes for an intriguing game as a one-off. Do you still subscribe to that line of thinking that South Africa are capable of exposing Ireland's few weaknesses at the moment? Yeah, I think so. And I think we've probably seen enough, even with the South African teams in the URC and how they've managed to trouble the provinces. Like you think of that Bulls game against Leinster at the RDS last year. Even even the way the Sharks played when they came to the RDS a couple of weeks ago. Um, they just do offer something a little different and... As Gary said, th- their strengths are maybe different to what Ireland's strengths are. And it's it's a contest that we don't really... Like, we haven't seen Ireland play the Springboks for, for six years now. Um, we haven't seen an Andy Farrell team play, play the... Ireland team play the Springboks at all. So it is one of the few unknowns that we still have about where Ireland are now. So, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like, when you think of all the times we've played New Zealand in the last couple of years, to not have seen an Ireland Springboks game it just there there is something different about it and I think that's kind of ramping up the anticipation and the excitement ahead of this one looking at that squad then Gar it's an exciting time of the year anytime there is an Ireland squad being named I feel as though we say this every time but it's always 
it always strikes me that it's even more exciting when, when when the day comes it's like oh i haven't seen people this excited for an ireland squad in ages it was probably realistically in february right but just looking at it kieran frawley jeremy lockman lockman joe mccarthy calvin nash jimmy o'brien keen prendergast uh, six potential new caps in there what else stood out to you about Farrell's squad and as a, a fan a journalist is it a squad that you broadly agree with yeah i do agree with his his selection and there's there's two reasons for that one no matter who he selected i think he's earned the right to be trusted completely at this stage gavin in the sense that like for the last five tests against the all blacks have gone his way uh really good showing in last year's six nations albeit there wasn't a championship or a grand slam but they certainly won everybody's respect with the way they've played um another point to make from the squad is it's more with Farrell from day one it's been evolution as opposed to revolution and there is this sense that he hasn't experimented that much but when you look over what the likely team is going to be to play the Springboks you've got Keenan who has been capped for the first time since he came in since uh, Farrell came in as head coach Hansen again handed his debut by Andy Farrell Balakoon handed his debut by Andy Farrell Gibson Park handed his debut by Andy Farrell Porter encouraged to switch from tight head to loose head uh, Dan Sheehan again handed his debut Ryan Bird will probably get a game either off the bench or possibly to start um, and again that's a person who's been promoted by Farrell and then you've got Tag Byrne who's been uh, the guy who was in previous squads but whose status has has increased dramatically since Farrell took over from from Joe Smith so you have this idea that it isn't that much different from a Joe Smith era team but it actually is it's it's significantly different I haven't even mentioned Caelan Doris yet um, also Jack Conan's promotion from from bench to starter for so much of last year's Six Nations. I think we have seen a case where nobody's place bar, say, Sexton uh, and Tag Furlong is safe. Everybody else has to be on their toes, and that's ultimately what you want in any successful team. Mm, before we dip further into it, Kieran, your overall impressions when that was announced on Wednesday? Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything Gary said there, and I think what makes it particularly interesting is that that point that you know everybody has to be on their toes. Farrell has has shown that he is willing to change things up when he thinks somebody is in form and deserving of the jersey. So, he, like he's brought so many players through. And the thing that stood out to me about this squad is usually you're looking at a squad and it's announced, and there's one or two players who have been overlooked, and that becomes a talking point. But but in this instance, the players that have missed out, it's all true injury really. Um, and like I'm sure that back three selection looks very different if. James Lowe, Keith Earls and, and Andrew Conway are all fit. So I think you have to look at the injuries and the amount of players absent and feel that this maybe makes this window even more worthwhile or, or maybe more informative. Um, like we're a couple of years into the Andy Farrell era now. We we know how he wants his team to play. Um, to an extent, we know who the main guys are. We know that they have the ability to beat the All Blacks home and away. We, we like We know a lot about this team, but they haven't had to deal with too much disruption over the last year or so and that's something you have to expect is coming down the line at the World Cup next year because it happens every single time to to an extent. I'd love to see a full strength Ireland team go toe-to-toe with the Springboks 
because as we said earlier they haven't played them in so long and it is a very different type of challenge and would be another indication of where this team are under Andy Farrell but I think there's just so much value in having this game and not having Ian Henderson there or James Lowe there or Ronan Kelleher there and like who knows maybe not having a fully fit Hugh O'Keenan or Jameson Gibson Park you never want to see players injured but it's a great opportunity to test that depth against the reigning world champions in a team that plays so differently to Ireland like I, I, I don't think beating the Springboks is even the be all and end all this November like a year out from the World Cup I think it's more important to maybe find out a bit more about your squad and your options now obviously you don't want to go and get blown out of the water but I don't think that'll happen regardless of of who's fit and who isn't but I, I just think it's such a great opportunity to see Ireland tested in a different type of way because you would imagine we won't see too much experimentation in the Six Nations unless Farrell's hand is forced and like the World Cup warm-up games don't have the same pressure intensity so there's not too many massive games left ahead of the World Cup and um, so let's find out a bit more about these guys now against the team who are going to be defending the Webb Ellis next year and um, I think not having a few guys available and getting that, that chance to test yourselves against the box like whatever way it goes I can't see it being anything other than a really beneficial day out. I suppose, Gary, one of the criticisms of the Emerging Ireland Tour, I mean, it was levelled at it that it was sort of pointless, but actually when you bear even just this November in mind and looking at the back three, potentially even scrum half, where Caelan Blade might force his way into inclusion over the course of November and was in South Africa, Robert Balakin was the one that stuck out to me as it feeling like a pointless exercise sending him there because we already know he's extremely good. But if you were to look at it through the lens that Andy Farrell and co probably looked at it, it's more to do with actually uh, exposing these players to a series of weeks in that same environment, running the same systems. And like, there's a chance that Balakin conceivably could start. I don't know against South Africa, maybe like, and uh, so I, I feel as though just looking at some of the injuries that Kieran has outlined and some of the players that may have to deputise for very important players that we've become accustomed to seeing in Irish colours over the last couple of years, like they should be more in tune with what Farrell wants to do, with what the team is actually doing routinely now as a result of that tour. Is that a fair point to make? Yeah, it is. It is a good point. Um, he has his way of doing things which has been proven to work and one of the other things that he has done quite well is he has identified players almost before their clubs have uh, in the sense that Gibson Park was number two at Leinster but became number one at Ireland. Uh, Kieran Frawley's promotion uh, to out half, uh, he barely played there last season for Leinster but he, he played twice on tour in New Zealand against the Marys uh, for Ireland in that position and did, and did really well. Um, one thing that really strikes me about this squad, Gav, is what happens if Hugo Keane is injured because since he's won 23 caps and since he established himself as the number one fullback, we haven't really had a significant test where he hasn't been wearing that number 15 shirt from the start. And I'm not sure that there's a good alternative to him. Uh, I know Mac Hansen uh, says his favourite position is 15, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's his best position. Uh, there are doubts still about Mike Larry's ability against teams like the All Blacks and the Springboks, not about his ability against teams in the URC or the Champions Cup or even Italy, uh, where he, who he played really well against. So I think what we're seeing now with the injuries is a little bit of thinness 
in certain areas of the Ireland squad. Like all of a sudden, you take Bundy a key out of the squad, and you're look, and there's only three centres named in it, and everybody's been talking uh, about Stuart McCluskey and his lack of exposure at the highest level. The fact he's only won six caps. But we're now going to see if he deserves to win more because inevitably he's going to get a chance this month. Um, the injury profile of centres in the modern day game is, is high enough. Aki was really resilient to injuries, but it won't take much for um, for McCluskey to get a promotion and to, and to see if he's up to the job or not. Um, I think that's going to become an issue over the following the following few weeks um, we're also going to see what our depth is like in the second row because Henderson isn't there he's our best second row uh, James Ryan has a slight injury that he's carrying into camp Tag Byrne has a slight injury that he's carrying into camp so if something happens there and they're both ruled out all of a sudden you're looking at a choice between Joe McCarthy who's on capped um, Kieran Treadwell who's got eight caps and Ryan Bird who's got eight caps so it's a fascinating squad in the sense that so much could change over the course of the month and we could be looking at players in key positions that we really haven't seen much of before in an Irish shirt. Well, on that topic, can I take you back to the Hugo Keenan question? If Hugo yeah. Keenan is not fully fit, is the answer to that question not Jimmy O'Brien? Yeah, uh, give him a go, but... Uh, he's on. He's on captain. You're putting him in against the Springboks. It's sink or swim. Um, we've seen a number of players over the years when they're introduced too early, um, and they've sunk. So mm. it's fine giving them a a chance against you know against say Fiji, uh, against a team like Italy. Um, it's fine giving them a chance against the New Zealand Maris, but. To go against the Springboks with absolutely no international experience uh, really is a really is a test. No, it certainly is. I guess, Kieran, just going back to what you were saying earlier about how we've seen even evidence of how South Africa might be able to challenge Ireland through some of their franchise's URC performances. Like, if you think of O'Brien, he has he's been playing ostensibly with an Ireland backline and with the majority of the Irish team. He's been playing against okay, not the Springboks, but strong opposition he looked pretty faultless in Galway I know it's not quite the same as South Africa but uh, he seems to be on a sort of a trajectory where maybe it's not ideal to put him in against South Africa straight off the bat but he seems to be the type of player who may thrive in that environment as well and suddenly we do have our answer yeah he could but it is it is a huge ask and like when when I look at the the back three players that Andy Farrell has selected I the one that jumps out is Jacob Stockdale because he probably was a surprise to most people to see included because he's been injured for the last couple of weeks from following that Leinster game. And, and I, I just wonder, like Andy Farrell has used Jacob Stockdale at fullback before, back in the Autumn Nations Cup two years ago now. And I know it probably didn't go great from there, but if, if Hugo Keenan isn't ready for the Springboks, I wonder if Farrell maybe sees Stockdale as a safer bet there. Like, as Gary said, Mac Hansen can play 15, but I think he only started two games there for Connacht at the tail end of last year. Mike Larry is, on the other hand, an out-and-out full-back, and then you've got Jimmy O'Brien too, and they both have so much experience playing 15 at this stage, but those two players probably didn't really take their chance against the Mary All Blacks, so you'd wonder how much Farrell is looking at that as well. Like we, We've seen Jimmy O'Brien obviously perform in 
really big days for Leinster, but the Springboks is a big, big step up and the physicality is a major part of that challenge. And sometimes as well, it's not always necessarily picking the 15 best players in, in by position. Sometimes you have to pick players for the opposition as well. And maybe Farrell, I just wonder, does he think that Stockdale is maybe better suited to the type of game that the Springboks are going to bring? Because like we don't know how how fit Hugo Keenan is. Like He hasn't played any rugby yet this year. But if he doesn't make if he doesn't make the team for for the Springboks, regardless of who's in there, you would imagine they're going to be targeted and whoever's wearing fifteen. You think he might be looking at the centres the same way, Kieran? Just as Gary outlined, there are only three specialist centres or, or guys that you would imagine um, have been selected solely as centres in the squad. But as much as Kieran Frawley may well be Johnny Sexton's successor at ten, uh, he I mean he can dovetail as a centre as well. Does that give a little bit of comfort there, maybe? Yeah, it does maybe. It does maybe. I mean three centres named like that week on week that Bundyaki suspension is just <laughs> it's it's maddening me more and more week on week. Like God, how you'd love to have him for, for a spring box game, even on the bench. Um like there's a few players there who are versatile and able to slide into different positions and just the whole the whole way the squad was named actually I thought was kind of interesting. He liked to have thirty seven senior players and then to separately identify 12 players on an Ireland A panel. Like, Farrell didn't have to name a strict 37. I think the England squad for Autumn is 36 players, Wales is 35, and, and Scotland is 40. I, like, you've got James Hume there, who was pushing Robbie Henshaw and um, and Gary Ringrose pretty pretty close last year, it felt, towards the end of the season. I know he hasn't played any rugby, but, like, I don't, I don't know why you won't just name him as the centre and just kind of have him available there if you need to, and I'm sure... They can call on him if they need to, but I just thought that was kind of, kind of strange. McCloskey, like we've seen, we've seen how good he is for a couple of years now, and he's in excellent form at the moment. And he's, I almost see him as like a bit of a mix of of Ringrose and Henshaw in terms that he's got the strength and he's got the ball carrying ability, but like he's got some pretty silky skills as well. And the amount of times we've seen him just like open up gaps, kind of that don't seem to be there for Ulster. It, like it's a huge, huge opportunity for him. I don't know if Frawley is the type of centre that we would see Farrell use against the Springboks. I think he is going to lean towards more of the tried and tested guys and guys who are maybe ready for that kind of physicality down the midfield channel because like you have to expect that the, the Springboks is going to be an extremely physical game. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the great things about this Ireland squad is that even when you if you look towards like the backs and the sorry the back rows and the locks as well we have a lot of players who are kind of hybrids and able to mix in between different positions whether it be you know wings who are comfortable at fullback or or you know out halves who can slot into fullback or center or locks who can who can play a bit of six um it's one of the interesting things i presume we'll see more of that maybe there may be more experiments to try against Fiji or australia i think already with players injured and with players carrying knocks into the game it's going to be a little safer against the Springboks, I would imagine. With that in mind, say, hypothetically, Gary, that Jemison Gibson Park is unavailable for the Springboks. And we're hoping, obviously, that a lot of these guys that we are mentioning will be fine for that test. Which way would you lean at scrum half between Craig Casey and Conor Murray, taking into consideration the ways that you actually can beat the Springboks, I guess? Like, you want to take it to the edges. Um, you probably want to get the ball out a little bit more quickly than uh, you would have to against other opposition. 
Conor Murray, we would imagine, is still Monster's first choice scrum half, all things being even, although that may very well change as the season progresses. But it may be one of those situations, as much as it would be a baptism of fire for Casey, where Farrell has to go against the pecking order at provincial level and make his own call in a sort of a styles make fights way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Casey played really well last weekend against the Bulls, um, pretty much doing everything that, that you were referencing there in your question. He was quick quick to uh, get the ball out. He took a bit of responsibility upon himself at one stage in the first half as well and took a quick tap and go and nearly got across the line. Um, I thought on the back of his performance, Munster's back line looked a lot better because Carberry was getting quick ball, giving an extra half second to sort of make things happen on the pitch. Um, against that, what you, what you have in international rugby at the minute at the top end, Gav, is the best nines in the world, uh, particularly DuPont, they're making a lot of decisions on the pitch. With Ireland and with Irish rugby, you've got... Uh, the tens who are generally the decision makers, particularly when you've got somebody as dominant a figure as Sexton. But it even it, it transfers across the provinces like Leinster. Uh, you would say Munster as well with with the way Carberry was operating last Saturday night, and particularly Connacht with Cardi being the captain. The tens are the dominant figures there in decision making and in creativity and and that's kind of against the grain for what South Africa are doing and for what France are doing. Uh, where where par is shared a bit more evenly between the nines and tens. For that to happen in an Irish context, you probably need Conor Murray on the field because he's um he's more independent, uh, more of an independent thinker than, than the other rival scrum halves, I would say. He's not afraid to, to make tough decisions on the pitch in, in the heat of the moment. And I think he's been written off far too quickly. Um, we're always looking for something shiny and new and we get bored with what has been in the house for, for year after year after year. He still has plenty to offer. Um, I can understand the reason for going with Gibson Park and that decision has been vindicated. But if Gibson Park is absent and Murray is available, it's not you're not replacing strength with weakness. You're just replacing one style of play with a different style of play. And you only have to think back to how the game turned in Twickenham in the Six Nations when Murray came on and the, the sharp decisions he made uh, and the number of points that Ireland scored in the final quarter. And it's not a coincidence. And I know, yes, that the English were down to 14 men and that they ran out of gas in the last 10 minutes. And that was a significant reason for their, for their heavy defeat, their 17-point defeat. But another significant reason was the fact that Murray came on and played really, really well. So I don't think it's a disaster if Gibson Parks is out and Murray is on. And I also don't think it would be a disaster if he gives Casey his shot because mentally he's he's not shy of confidence. Um, and there is, there is a strong reason to select Casey and then to spring Murray from the bench with a quarter of the game to go. Either way, I don't think Farrell will be losing. The other side of that, obviously... Kieran, at least the other side to my question is the fact that Conor Murray affords you a sort of a physicality that most scrum halves don't. He's defensively excellent. It remains the case. Uh, the fact that he has been written off from nearly every corner over the last two or three years, 
I would say no longer even bothers him. Ultimately, if you're a national team coach and a coach as good as Andy Farrell still sees value in you and selects you, then that should say enough. I'm curious as to what way you would see that going in the instance that Gibson Park wasn't available for that first test. Would you still side towards that, I guess, a little bit still more of a known entity in Murray and all of the qualities that he brings? Or would you put a rocket under, under Craig Casey's ass and say, off you go? Yeah, I think I think it would be leaning towards the experience for the, for the reasons Gary has outlined there as well. And the fact that Murray has shown leadership and kind of control and experience for Ireland in the last year as well, particularly if you're going to have other players missing. Like we already know James Lowe and Ian Henderson aren't there who are two big kind of personalities in that Ireland team. And we don't know about Hugo Keenan um, yet, but if there is a bit of disruption, you probably want to, to limit that as much as you can. And I think Farrell will also look at combinations. And if you've got Johnny Sexton at 10, and he's looking beside him against the Springboks. Does does he want to see Craig Casey, who has five caps, who he hasn't played a lot of rugby with and doesn't kind of have that on-field relationship with as much? Or does he want to see Conor Murray, who like he's been through the trenches with and like they know each other inside out and they know exactly what they want from each other? I think that's the I think that's the safer bet and probably the sensible bet, particularly when you take into the fact that we are anticipating maybe a little bit of disruption elsewhere on the pitch. And then like Casey, if, if you need him to come in and inject a bit of energy off the bench, like, you know, that can be, that could give Ireland a, a kind of lift that they might need. And it, say it's a tight game going down the last 20, 20, sorry, 20, 25 minutes or whatever. He's, he can come on and add a bit of spark and a bit of, um, a bit more energy. And, and sometimes I think that actually hasn't been suited to test rugby, but I think he's learned how to kind of, manage that a bit better and kind of control his own game a bit more Um, I think again like some of the other players you mentioned I think maybe Fiji and Australia are more realistic games to look at in, in starting Craig Casey if if that's what it's going to be but um, yeah I think Springboks first up when you want to um, kind of limit that disruption Murray is the safer bet and it's one of the reasons why I think it's almost a bit of a shame that the Springboks are straight up and we don't have maybe Fiji first to try ease your way into things or try a few different combinations and see how they go but when you're bringing together a group that haven't been together since the summer I think experience is gonna is gonna count for more than it maybe usually would just to continue with yourself Kieran, and what Gary was saying earlier about Locke where yeah conceivably we look a little bit light at least in terms of experience in the absence of in the absence I should say of Henderson and with a couple of more niggles there as well I know we we still have a pretty limited sample size of Joe McCarthy's capabilities but he is one player who I actually would love to see unleashed even if it's just off the bench against the Springboks because I think he's the type of player who not only would rise to the challenge but actually would produce the type of performance where even in one cap you think okay we're actually sorted there (laughs) you know like it's weird with the Springboks if you do it against them you should conceivably be able to do it against everybody else and he seems to have the physical qualities where it's not going to be a case of like Lottie Dakiri picking up Tom Varndell and dropping him out into touch and pretty much ending his test career 10, 15 years ago. A game that still sort of haunts me. It, it, I don't, I'm not sure if anything could come too soon for Joe McCarthy. I don't know if that's fair, but he just seems like that kind of guy. Yeah, and also you would imagine like he's like he's there for a reason. There's this four locks, this four locks named in in the squad, and he's actually the only one that was in New Zealand that isn't carrying a knock. So you've got Tyburn, James Ryden and Kieran Treadwell who are all recovering from various injuries at the moment. And 
even interestingly, Ryan Baird has been named as as a back row player rather than a lock. Obviously, he can play second row, but he's he's looked really sharp before getting that um before going off that head injury playing at six for Leinster. Joe McCarthy is there because Farrell, like we we know, he rates him so highly, and he wouldn't be there if he didn't think he was ready for games like this. I is is my reading on it. Like he's been in the he's been in the squad, fast tracked into the squad for the Six Nations last year. Like Farrell didn't exactly play down his talents either. He he pretty much spoke spoke him up and said like this guy looks looks the real deal at that time. He he brought him to New Zealand, and even the way he's managed the. I suppose development of some of the second rows who are coming up, like you've got Tom O'Hearn, who, along with Joe McCarthy, looked really excellent on that um, Emerging Ireland tour. Now Tom O'Hearn is actually a year older than Joe McCarthy. He's played he's played a good bit more provincial rugby um, than Joe McCarthy has at this stage. But yet, McCarthy is the one that Farrell thinks is ready to step in at, at Test level if if um, if he's needed. And O'Hearn is left to um, he's been named in the Ireland A panel. So. That's just interesting in itself, I think, as well. When, like I said earlier, like both could have been named in, in the senior squad if needs be. Um, yeah, I think McCarthy is there because Farrell thinks he's ready, and he is the type of athlete that we don't produce a huge amount of. Like he's he's he's, he's a big, big frame, and he's he's physical, and he's able to kind of um, kind of assert his kind of physicality on the pitch. But he's also like he's able to run with the ball, and he's able to distribute, and he's got all those kind of attacking talents to him too, which is kind of what you know, it's what Farrell looks for in his team now, doesn't he? He's looking for athletes in every kind of position and guys who are dynamic and guys who offer more than just maybe what the job description used to be a couple of years ago. So I think he's one of the players when you look at the squad where it's going to be a really interesting, a really interesting November for like he is uncapped um, and it's not inconceivable that we see him play, who knows, like in, in at least two of these games. And like you said, he just looks like somebody who's ready for it. How do you think we're actually going to get on against the Springboks, Gar? And even across November generally, from what you've seen of them? I think we'll win all three tests. Um, our home record is is pretty extraordinary. We haven't lost at home since the game against France in the COVID Six Nations. Um, and before that, I don't think we'd lost until before the, before the World Cup. So... This is going back to to 2013 where we've had a really really strong home record and it does it does have a big factor in in results uh fiji are are a dangerous team but they're not the same level as ireland australia are really hit and miss at the minute um and there's serious issues within their squad i don't think i think they're the the worst of the best, if that makes sense, in terms of the, the leading nations in the world. Uh, now, they still could end up in a World Cup final next year because they're on the favourable side of the draw. And the, you never know, either either they or England could just get a run at it and before you know it, end up in the final. Um, but I don't think they're particularly strong. Uh, the Springboks aren't as good as they were in 2019, uh, while they obviously... Uh, possess a formidable pack um, they're fairly dull behind the pack um, they're not good to watch um, they got a little bit lucky when they defeated the Lions and this this summer in the Rugby Championship I don't, don't think any of the four teams were reached the same level of performance that Ireland did against New Zealand so I think it'll be three from three Do you share that optimism Kieran? I'm I'm slightly more wary of the the Springboks game, um, just because of the injuries Ireland are carrying, and I suppose we don't really know 
what kind of condition the Springboks are in to to a certain extent as well. There, I know like it's um, a lot of them are kind of coming back into URC action this week. The Sharks team is already out, and that almost looks like uh, like the amount of Springboks they brought back in in terms of like even Etzbeth, uh, Sia Khaleesi. Um, there's a couple of others in there as well so it'll be interesting to see I suppose how quickly they get up to speed the Irish guys probably have the advantage of having more rugby under their belt and just looking a little bit better conditioned when you think of the amount of rugby we've already seen the likes of Johnny Sexton play and um, Robbie Henshaw, Gary Ringrose, uh, Ty Byrne until he picked up that injury last week like there's a lot of important guys for Ireland who are kind of already up and running and in really good condition but just because I haven't seen an Ireland Springboks game in, in so long and like the last time they came to Dublin, they were they were a bit all over the place, really, weren't they? So it's just such a different challenge. Like I, I, I think Ireland can win, but I would be a bit more wary of that game, um, depending on the condition of both teams. And then, yeah, the other two, I, I think Ireland will win, even allowing for a bit of expect, uh, sorry, experimentation and trying a few different things. Gar, do you share the same degree of certainty about Leinster versus Munster in the Aviva this weekend, considering you were down at uh, Toma Park for Monsters victory over the Bulls. It was obviously an improved performance. Uh, has the has anything changed with Monster heading up to Dublin this time around? Uh, obviously not a happy hunting ground. I think the record against Leinster is maybe three wins in eighteen, something like that. Um, is, is there any sort of cause for optimism for Monster fans, or should this just be another uh, comfortable enough day for Leinster fans at the Aviva? When I was doing this pod with you at the same time last year, Gav and you asked me about Ulster going to the RDS and prior to going on in my gut I was thinking because I'd seen a good bit of Ulster prior to that match and I remember thinking yeah I think Ulster can win this match and completely chickened out uh, <laughs> making that prediction it's one thing uh, saying it in your own head is another thing saying it where you've got thousands of people listening and prepared to point out how much of an idiot you are when you get it wrong so this time I'm going to risk being, uh, I think, I actually, I thought Munster were really, really good last weekend against really good opposition. And there's no reason why they can't win this match. I'm going to predict that they will win it. Uh, I didn't think Leinster played well at all against Connacht, and you can allow for conditions. Um, but, I mean, the conditions at Toman Park weren't tropical on Saturday night. Like, you know, it was there was rain as well. There was a wet ball. Munster played superbly well at stages in that game. And then late on, when the game was won in the final seven minutes, the Bulls were camped on their line. And they held them out, and it was really impressive. The two tries that they give away against the Bulls came from poor positioning and two counter-attacks really really sloppy errors not it was a lack of concentration as opposed to a lack of ability so really what you're looking at was uh, a 31.17 win it was it was bigger than that it was greater than that it was actually a bit of a hammering that was disguised by the fact they made a couple of stupid errors um leinster's ability to eke out the win in galway shouldn't be something to to make us think that they'll necessarily walk all over all over Munster. Thought the Munster pack was good. Their scrum has been pretty good. Or sorry, it was good on Saturday. It wasn't good against Connacht. Um, mm. Their mall is very, very effective at the minute. Um, now, obviously, Leinster's mall is, is impressive as well. But if, if Munster controlled the Leinster mall, then they have a great chance of winning. That's an Carby, interesting. Carby was very good last weekend, Gav. He really very, was. Very good. 
He really was uh, and, and deserves a lot of plaudits. We were critical of him on the members pod for his previous performance, as were a lot of Munster fans, Irish rugby fans. And I think he answered a lot of that criticism without <laughs> necessarily listening to it. Kieran, we, we chatted about this game as well on Monday. We were looking back over uh, Munster's victory, Leinster's victory and Ulster's brilliant win as well um, uh, against the Lions. But I wonder, has your mind changed on the game? Have you had a little bit more time to think of it in the intervening days where you can see it being actually a close contest or is it going to be more of the same to your mind in Dublin? Oh, I think it can be a close contest. Um, I, I don't quite share Gary's optimism for Munster because I think just Leinster have come through different types of challenges this year and managed to find ways to win, which I think will stand to them. Um, I'm ex- like I know this is a bit uh, like a bit difficult because we're speaking before the teams have been announced, but like I'm expecting Leinster to have a lot of their kind of frontliners there, which is always always makes such a big difference for them. And um, like I was actually quite disappointed with the Bulls last week, so I'm 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 not fully sure where Munster are, even though it was definitely a much more encouraging performance from them. Um, like without kind of repeating the conversation we had on Monday, like I just think Munster need to come down and just. They just need a performance. Like they need to. They've come down to Dublin too often and just not shown up for the game really, and and kind of let themselves down to a degree. I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, this time, like you've got, you've got. I know the Ireland squad has been announced, but you're you're two weekends away from from a test game. There's going to be so many interesting matchups. We we anticipate in, in the way the two teams line out, and I'm hoping. Well, I'm actually I'm expecting that both Johnny Sexton and Joey Carby are going to start this game, and and if they do. It's going to be the first time they've started a Leinster-Munster game. They both started a game um, since that Christmas Interpro with Thoman in 2018 where, where Sexton was so fired up and Carberry kicks 16 points in a Munster win. And that's probably the best game between these two teams in a number of years. I think there's been, I think there's been nine Leinster-Munster games since then with Leinster winning eight of those, the exception being a Rainbow Cup game at the RDS. So I'd, I just, I'd love to see those two guys on the pitch from the start and just seeing how that kind of battle goes there. Um and yeah, we can't really get into the rest of the teams because we don't have them. We have ideas mm. of how they're going to line out, but it's tricky. But Munster just need to come up and back up what they've done last week and show that they're, that they're I suppose, ready to kind of put it up to teams. And like, you know, it's not even just the fact that their their attack maybe hasn't fully clicked into gear yet. We saw glimpses of it last week. Like, just showing up with a bit of aggression and a bit of work rate will get you very far. Like, that's the one kind of common denominator with any of the top teams in the world and... I think if they show up and just kind of bring a bit of aggression and a bit more fight to this fixture than they have in in the last couple of meetings, you know, try and pose themselves around the breakdown and and just try to get in Leinster's faces, I think that can bring them a long way. Yeah, I I do think Leinster probably love conversations like this because they've been had in the past where even Munster have had a, a better vein of form coming up to Dublin and Leinster do like reminding them who's on top. We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, as Kiro mentions, we don't have the teams yet. We're kind of presuming they'll be at uh, as close enough to full strength as possible. But we'll dip into that game in detail on Monday with Mary Kinsella and Bernard Jackman for the 42 members. It's members.the42.e if you want to sign up there. You will get a discount as well on the event coming up on the 2nd of November. That's a Wednesday night at the Harcourt Hotel with Will Connors. But on top of that... You get two extra rugby pods a week every Monday and every Wednesday as well with Murray Kinsler and Owen Toulon. Gary, we also have a, a fascinating game between uh, the Sharks and Ulster this weekend. Just to wrap on that, Connacht at home to Scarlets as well, which, as I say, we'll chat about on Monday. But just on paper and even looking at the teams as well, like 
it's a salivating prospect. The idea that it's on at the same time as Leinster Munster bewilders me. Um, maybe that's a conversation for another day, but Kieran was mentioning on the Monday pod that he feels as though Ulster are capable of, of turning the Sharks over on their own turf. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I definitely think Ulster have improved incrementally year on year since McFarland has has been in there. Um, the one area that allows them... They've come, they lost in South Africa three times last year. But each time they, they it went down to the wire. Like I mean, the defeat in the semi final was was in heartbreaking circumstances. Three or four minutes into injury time, the one thing they do they 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 front up their scrum doesn't get demolished. They're able to, they've got good scrummagers, uh, particularly Moore. Um, Warwick's a good scrummager as well. Um, I don't think they'll win because I think the Sharks are are I think they're the the best South African side at the minute. Uh, they look really, really good. I think we're going to have a situation this year where you're going to have four South Africans and four South African teams in the quarterfinals and and three three Irish sides. Connacht, if they get their act together, could join them. But at this stage, Connacht have to view Edinburgh, Treviso and uh, Cardiff as their big rivals rather than Ulster, Munster and Leinster because... Uh, the battle is already on for them to to get the eighth and final quarter final spot, um. What you're seeing this weekend are four of the best sides in the league going up against each other. That's Leinster, Munster, and Sharks Ulster. And while Sharks Ulster is not the the headline grabbing fixture, that doesn't mean that they're not two of the best sides in the league. Cause because they are. I think Ulster Ulster have a really good chance of going far in the competition this year and uh, getting to a final. Gary, thank you very much. It's always great to see you. And you, Gav. Thanks. Kieran, same to you. Nice one for everything this week. Nice one, Gav. Thanks. Thanks, everybody at home as well for tuning in. It's members of the 42.e if you want to join us on the flip side of the weekend when we'll be looking back over those games with Murray and Birch, plus all of those extra podcasts that I mentioned. And we will be back on Monday, as I say. If not... We'll be back with you this time next week. So mind yourselves in the meantime. Have a great weekend. Take care. You're not alive, boys, so you start kicking.